0: No way you came to my rescue from the grave. I've been raised when I needed a savior to save me. Jesus, you made a way. I was blind, but these eyes have been open. Now I walk in the light. Every step on this road I will follow. Jesus, you made The following message was recorded by the Way in Brea. Lead Pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at the Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Ways Production Department praises this message is a blessing to you. Um, <clears throat> so. Yeah, a lot. A lot happened. It was a. It was a great trip. Great for the family. Kids' first time on a on a plane. <laughs> um, there's a lot that I think I'll, I'll want to share as time goes on. Uh, I think for for today, I'll just share a little bit about about some of the ministry stuff that we had an opportunity to do. Uh, When we got there, South Africa is an interesting country. Uh, Many of you probably have heard about apartheid and how race was dealt with in in South Africa and the segregation. Um, You guys have probably heard about Nelson Mandela, and being in prison for 27 years and then coming out and becoming president of South Africa, we had a chance to go to the the island prison that he was on and uh, get to see his cell and, and hear a story from somebody that was actually in prison with him who helped kind of lead our, our tour. Uh, it was just, uh, There's a lot going on when you're when you're excited to go and be a part of something and do something and see God move. But you're also there's history and there's culture and there's there's a lot of of oppression and then seeing the lingering effects of that. And people are asking asking me as an American, as a black man in America, they're asking me questions about what life is like here and. and we had just a, a wide range of people that, that we had a chance to spend time with. Uh, black South Africans, white South Africans. Uh, they have a group called Colored. So you wouldn't say that here, but if you're, if you're not completely black or not completely white, you're classified as colored in, in South Africa. So just imagine being able to take our kids who are colored into that kind of environment and, and uh, have them just uh, it's special because our kids are, are kind of blind to it. You're in a church like this, they're, they're blind to those things. But you could see people looking at us and looking at them. But you could just see the love of the Lord coming out of them. And, and they just, wherever we went, uh, when we got to Johannesburg, I had an opportunity to preach in a church that uh, is, is in the hood. And when I say the hood, it's, a, it's another level of hood than what maybe you've experienced here in, in our ghettos and hoods. Um, where you drive across a particular street and it's like night and day. Um, uh, the poverty, the, uh, just the crime, just the uh, oppression that you feel in a place like that. Uh, but the church was beautiful. The people were beautiful. The kids got there and they immediately were attracted to the other kids and they took off just like they were in our church. They, they were at the front and couldn't wait to get out. No change for, for them. Uh, had a had a wonderful opportunity to be able to speak that wasn't my intention i was i was uh, before we left they they uh extended an opportunity for me to go and speak somewhere so obviously we took advantage of that and uh, i guess what i wanted to share is that i preached there i felt god leading me to share with them what he's been sharing with us here at the way about life love resurrection baptism discipleship those types of things and uh, it was special to see how God moved. Uh, I had a translator, so that's, that's interesting for any of you who have ever been to another place where they speak different languages. Every couple of lines that I preach, then I have to stop, and then somebody will translate into their language so that everybody can understand. We actually had a really cool prayer moment. There was, there was probably eight languages uh, spoken in that church, and we stopped in, in the middle of my message and, and had everybody pray in all those different languages, including Mary in, in Arabic. Um, so I want to share a, uh, actually, I'll, we'll share the pictures, Ray, and then I guess you can play the, the video after. But we, when I, when I went to preach, I shared about baptism and we left on Tuesday, Monday. We left on Monday after Sunday and then uh, I got this message from the, the assistant pastor. It said, your declaration about baptism has come to pass. Today we baptized four guys and one lady. And then he began to ask about our family, we went back and forth. So, so five people got baptized the next Sunday. And this is some of the pictures. So, you know, it, it was, it's always cool to go and, and to be able to share the word. But it's also special to see how how uh people respond to to the word you know what god's been doing in our church seeing a bunch of people get baptized we've got a bunch more planning to get baptized uh, in a few weeks here after our courses so so ray if you don't mind why don't you why don't you go ahead and play that video real quick if you got it so <clears throat> It was really special because that last little boy, the only the only child to get baptized was the assistant pastor's son. And he was the one that I was connecting with before we went out there. We became Facebook friends, Facebook messenger friends. Uh, you guys should look up Gateway City Church in uh, Johannesburg, become friends on Facebook. They're now part of our family, part of our friends. Uh, and again, I don't want to spend too much time this, this morning, but, but to be in that church, uh, an all-black church, an all-African church, uh, in the hood, in the ghetto, and then five minutes away is like wealth beyond what many of us have ever seen. Um, and, and a church that's connected with them that we also had a chance to spend some time with. And then Cape Town, uh, wealth beyond what many of us have seen, but also poverty beyond what many of us have seen. Uh, it's the same all over the world. Somebody say amen. But the answer is always Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let me get into it. Uh, Matter of fact, why don't we pray? Lord, I thank you for uh, getting us there and getting us back safely, Lord. I thank you that uh, this church is your church, Lord, that you lead it, that you guide it, that you direct it, that it's you by your spirit who are calling people out of death and into life. Um, Those who are lost are being found, Lord, here in this place, but in every place all over the world, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're raising up men and women who can lead, who will teach, who will preach, Lord, who will worship, who will do anything that you've called them to do because you've called them to do it, Lord God. I ask it this morning. Uh, we would be able to encounter you in a special way, in a significant way that's life-changing, Lord. That's direction-altering, Lord God. That is encouraging and strengthening. That is also convicting and challenging, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that uh, that you love us enough to continue to pursue us, Lord. Have your way in this place this morning. Have your way in every single life that's here. Every single family that's here. Um, Every single home that's represented, Lord. Just continue to move, continue to minister, Lord God. And uh, we just thank you for this day and this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> All right, so before we left, uh, the Lord had us looking at the birth of the church and the, uh, the great commission. It's the commissioning of believers to make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them everything that Jesus commanded them. Uh, it was a timely message, I believe, for us as a church, um, and you can see even when we were halfway across the world, it was a timely message for for uh, that church there, Gateway City Church in Johannesburg, but it's also a timeless message. You know, Jesus started this thousands of years ago, and it's still timely, it's still timeless. No matter who you are, where you are, no matter what we're preaching, when we're preaching it, as people are to faith, we're encouraging them to become disciples, not Christian church attendees, right? There's a difference. As people are coming to faith, we're encouraging them to get baptized, go all in. Don't stand on the fringes. Don't just become somebody who carries a Bible around. Get baptized. Allow the Spirit of God to do something miraculous in your life and then learn. Carry your word around. Uh, Read the thing. (laughs) Figure out what it is that God is actually saying to us. So Matthew 28, 19 is that great commission. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Such an encouraging commission, such an encouraging commandment from Jesus himself telling us what to do, how to do it, and the fact that he will be there with us to accomplish it. This is the birth of the church. This is how the church comes into existence. Um, But it's also the rebirth of missions and the missional community. The birth of the church, Jesus says, uh, go out, make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them everything that I've taught you, right? So this church is birthed. It's born. We've been talking about that, where there's all these religious people on the earth at that time, but there's really only a small group of people that are the church, spirit-filled believers, and they become A missional community. This series that uh, I'm starting here this morning uh, in our church is called the missional community. The missional community. We're going to look at what it means to be a community that's on mission together. A community that's on mission together. How many of you here have ever been on a mission trip? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've been on a mission trip. Look around as people raise their hands. Something's wrong with all of you guys over here. Go somewhere. Alright, so we've got a couple people, look around, a couple people who have been on, on a mission trip. How many of you have been on, a, let, me, let me add to that, it can be a mission trip or like a spiritual pilgrimage, right, like you went to Israel or you did something like that that was specifically to grow, amen, good, good, good. <clears throat> I've been to Suriname, which is in South America, just above Brazil, I went with Pastor Jason, I went to Kenya, Africa twice. I went with uh, Sarah McKell. I went with Mary, I went with Pastor Jason the very next year again, been to Ensenada, Mexico, been to Tijuana, Mexico several times to do missionary work. I went to uh, Israel in the Middle East with Gary. Um, I went to Egypt, which is also in Africa slash Middle East with Mary to do ministry and to do missional work. Went to England and Northern Ireland with Zach all right which was an awesome trip Uh, more of a pilgrimage right Um, been to Nigeria Africa with Carmelo and with Pastor Jason and in this latest trip into South Africa a couple of cities Johannesburg and Cape Town in South Africa with Mary I love culture I love history I love to see how different people are all over the world but also seeing how familiar the work of the Holy Spirit is all over the world to be in all those places and all those cultures and all those different times, um, it's, it's eye-opening, but Jesus is just like he is everywhere. Uh, he's the same here as he is there. He's the same there doing the same exact things that he's doing here. I love finding myself in places that I never thought that I would be because of Jesus. I was in the jungle with Carmelo. <laughs> I was drinking uh, Cokes in a Irish bar with Zach. (laughs) Who thinks you're going to be in that kind of situation? Everybody's drinking pints of Guinness, and uh, this dude is doing missionary work in the bar from the church that we were in, which is a church of England, like national church, and he's doing this program called Alpha, which is all over the world, and you guys will learn more about it eventually here. But me and Zach are in there talking to people about Jesus, drinking Cokes while they're drinking Guinnesses. I was in the uh, middle of an Egyptian marketplace like family feud with Mary. We left the compound that we were in that we weren't supposed to leave, and you know how I am. I don't follow the rules very well, so I was like, babe, let's go. We walked out, and next thing you know, it's like a scene from a movie where it's a huge marketplace. Everybody's speaking Arabic. Two people got into carsons, car. they jump out and they start yelling, I'm looking at Mary like, how did we get here? <laughs> what are we doing? Many of you have heard of the, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were found in a desert uh, outside of Israel. And it was the whole Bible um, found and preserved from the days of, of Jesus. And me and Gary were in those caves looking for my wallet because I lost my wallet. <laughs> in the desert in Israel. And I say to myself, dang, Lord, like the places I've been the things I've seen, the things that I've gotten to be a part of. Uh, I've been able to bring fresh water to African tribes, been able to preach about living water to Middle Eastern people. As Christians, God's offered us adventure. He's offered us amazing experiences, but he has a plan and a purpose for our lives and a plan and a purpose for the world. It's not just doing crazy things, going crazy places, and wow, how cool is God? It's that, hey, he actually has a plan. He actually has a purpose for the whole world that he gets to, He allows us to be a part of if we want to. He's empowered us to accomplish certain things on this planet, but we have to see ourselves as a missional community if we're going to do something. Does that make sense? We ain't here to take trips. We're here to be part of a missional community that God is trying to accomplish something on the whole planet. Yes, amen. In The book of Acts chapter one, verse four. It says, being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel or to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. As your pastor, one of the things I think about as I, as I preach messages, as I prepare messages, is, is application. Our life groups, every Wednesday night, they wrestle with the word that comes forth on Sunday so we can figure out how to apply it into our lives going forward. It's great to go to church and hear a message and say amen and maybe hit the altar, be prayed with, be prayed over. But if you just go back home and say, wow, something that felt great. That's not enough. We have to figure out how does this apply to my life? What do I need to do differently? How do I need to think differently? How do I need to change, right? Application is what really matters when it comes to being a Christian. How do we apply the word of God to our lives? When a message is uh, being formed, that's what I'm constantly asking God. I love that he gives me understanding and revelation and all that good stuff, but as I'm writing, I'm thinking to myself, how does this apply to their lives? What is this going to, what is it, Lord, that you're sending this word forth for? What is it that you want to do in these people's actual lives? So this series about the missional community, I believe it's going to be formational for many of you who are willing to allow the spirit to reform you. That's the application. Allow the spirit of God to reform you uh, in a particular way. This is a picture that I saw God. I, I saw God creating a man or a woman. In the the Bible, in Genesis, it says that he formed us from the dust, and then he breathed life into us. Amen? So I saw God uh, creating a man or creating a woman, and this series is more like a lung or a kidney, right? So what that means is, or what I feel like God was trying to tell me is that this is about how you are going to function as a man or a woman of God, not how you are going to behave as a man or woman of God. Right. So there's messages and there's series and there's times where we're talking about you need to do something different. You need to speak something new. You need to behave in a new way. That's all good. And it's important. And there's times for that. But this is you need to be something different. Right. This is a, like a lung that has a particular function on how well you're going to actually breathe in this life. Right. This is a kidney that's going to filter things uh, in your life and in your body. Right. So who we are as Christians uh, hopefully, will be changed with this understanding of a missional community. So, in verse four of the scripture I just shared with you, Jesus says, "Stay in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the filling of the Holy Spirit." Right? The church is being birthed. He has this plan for them, and he says, "But stay home. Don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem until you get this filling, this power of the Holy Spirit." In verse six, the disciples ask. Uh, if that will be the beginning of Israel being restored to power and prominence, right? He says, stay here, wait till you get the power. And they say, great, the power is coming. Does that mean that you're going to restore Israel? Are we going to become a powerhouse again? Are we going to have an army again? Are we going to have wealth like we used to have? Are you going to make us what we used to be? right. The whole time, if you remember, they've been waiting for a Messiah so that they can have rule again and they can have authority again. They can have power again. So they're asking him, look, this last three years has been awesome, right? But all this walking around and helping people is cool, but we want authority again. We want to be back where we were on the world stage. And we've been willing to follow you even though that hasn't happened. But now that you're saying you're going to send the Spirit, does this mean that it's going to happen now? Jesus says, Don't worry about the things that are going to happen here physically. Stay focused on the kingdom that I've been talking to you about. Those of you who can remember, Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, right? He told us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, that um, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's all about the kingdom. And he's telling them, Don't worry about this physical, earthly kingdom. Be more concerned with the spiritual, heavenly kingdom. He's been telling them that for a while now. Then in verse 8, Jesus hits them with this idea of them becoming a missional community. This is the first time. In verse 8, it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples are focused on the local and the physical, but Jesus has plans for the global and the spiritual. They want to know, how are things going to change here at home, with the temple, with Israel, with Jerusalem? And Jesus says, Now I have a global plan. <laughs> and it's a spiritual plan. He tells them to start here. I said earlier that this time with Jesus and the disciples and the apostles is the rebirth of missions or the missional community. Because reaching the world has always been God's plan. Right. We think like we started missions. We didn't start missions. (laughs) We think that we're the first people to go out and talk about Jesus in different places. Uh, This has always been God's plan. But this is the first time the disciples had heard it said that way. He said, listen, you're going to be witnesses of me, not only here in Jerusalem, but in Judea. And in Samaria, and they were probably thinking, okay, Judea's fine, right? We're going to expand past Jerusalem, and people need to know who you are and know what kind of authority you have. Even Samaria, we don't like the Samaritans, but maybe they're going to hear about you because they're going to serve us. And then he takes it even further. He says, to the ends of the world, the ends of the earth, a global plan. I don't think the disciples are quite ready for it yet. But missions, Abraham was the first missionary. Look what God said to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God starts the first missional community with Abraham and his little family. He says, it's going to be about missions. You have to get away from your friends. You have to get away from your family. You have to get away from what's comfortable. You have to get away from everything that you've ever known. I'm going to put you somewhere, but not just to bless you and your little city and your little community. He says, everybody is going to be blessed because of you. It's a missional community that's being planted. And then Jesus plants the first spirit-filled missional community. He says, listen... You are still going to have to uh, uh, start your own thing. It's going to be a small community of believers, but you are going to be spirit-filled, and I'm going to send you all over the world. The whole world is going to be blessed because of you. The first thing that we have to realize is that launches involve adversity. Launches involve adversity. When God says to Abram, who will eventually become Abraham, that, hey, listen, you're going to... You're gonna leave and you're gonna start something and the whole world is gonna be changed. It's not like an easy thing that he's asking him to do. And there is going to be some difficult decisions that have to be made, difficult conversations that have to be made. There's adversity when you're launching something. Every time one of our planes took off, I thought about all the things that could go wrong and how many things had to go right for us to get up into the air. Everyone keeps asking me about the kids. I thought they were going to be crying and in tears, but they didn't care. All they cared about is that they could watch any movie they wanted to. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, you guys have no idea how dangerous this is. You should be looking outside this window. You should be trying to figure out how we're going 300 miles, 400 miles an hour down this runway, and then how we're going to get this huge piece of metal into the air. If you're not afraid, I'm going to strike fear into you right now. (laughs) Do you guys know how many things have to go right to get that thing into the air? The plane actually wants to stay on the ground. I'm not going to turn all scientific on you, but we we understand that uh, objects that are in motion want to stay in motion, objects that are still want to stay still, right? So this plane doesn't want to fly. It's huge and it's sitting there at the runway as we all get onto it. And in order for it to fly, we have to overcome some type of adversity. The engines begin to propel it forward. Then when enough speed has been gained, the angle of the wings has to change. If, you, if you're ever looking, you look out the window and like you hear that noise, and the little thing like, like lifts up like this. So you have to be going fast enough. Then you have to change the angle of the wings so this aerodynamic thing happens, and then it begins to lift off into the air. And for me, that's the scariest part. As soon as we get into the air, I don't know about the rest of you, but I picture like the engine blowing up and then (laughs) crashing. I'm sorry, I'm praying the whole time like, Lord, give me faith, but look at this wing. (laughs) It's actually a battle to launch, right? There's There's an actual battle that's taking place. The plane is saying I'm too heavy, I'm not, I don't want to fly, I wanna stay on the ground. The engine is saying we're gonna fly, the wings are saying we're gonna get just the perfect amount of lift so that we can get this thing into the air. <clears throat> All the compartments that have been built, the fuel tanks, everything has to be working together just to get the thing off the ground. This is how it says that when it comes to launching missional communities and launching churches and the work of God. In Acts chapter eight, verse one, <clears throat> It says, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Check this out. Jesus says, stay in Jerusalem, stay home, stay on the ground, don't go anywhere, wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, and God begins to move from day one. We know that they get filled with the Spirit. They walk outside. Peter preaches the first message, and thousands of people get saved and get added to the church. The church is growing. They're seeing miracles. They're seeing numerical numbers increase and strength increase right there at home. And then what happens? God reminds them, hey, I want to launch something, and there's going to be adversity. Things get launched through adversity. We could stay here. We could stay in Jerusalem. You could keep seeing these kind of things. But instead, God sends persecution and adversity, and that's how he launches them into Judea and into Samaria. Wouldn't it be nice if you could launch without adversity? Wouldn't it be nice if you can go on to the next thing and into the next place, the next area of your relationship without adversity? Steve got up here and testified that there's an opportunity, but it costs money. There's an opportunity to learn and to grow and to have our relationship strengthened, but we've actually got to set aside time. And for us, it's more time because we got to go and then go home and then get up early, reconnect and get back out there to spend money. But launching into the next thing comes with adversity and there's always a cost and most people don't want to pay it. I told that couple yesterday, I said, people are going to look at you guys five years from now and they're going to talk trash and say, well, they just married nice people. Well, they're just Christians and they, they just, they got lucky. No, that's not what happened. They launched through adversity. And now they're flying 30,000 feet in the air and comfortable and sitting back in their first class seat and people are bringing them juice. But that's not how it started. It started on the ground with all this power and all this force and all this adversity and all the right angles. We launched through adversity. It was through adversity and persecution that the church left Jerusalem and went into Judea and Samaria. The last couple of weeks, if you remember, Philip is baptizing people and doing miracles and telling Simon the Sorcerer to to shut up and stop lying and using fake power. Let me show you the real Holy Spirit power. All these uh, disciples and apostles are are paying attention to the word of God. Men and women are rising up in the church. There's a, uh, a man named Stephen who gets martyred. And that's how the adversity actually starts for the church. God's moving, Stephen stands up and begins to preach and really convict people for how they live and what they're doing and how they denied Jesus and they killed him. Saul is there and he says, okay, now that we killed Stephen, I got the green light to go kill anybody who's of the way. Think about why we named our church The Way. (laughs) These people are called people of the way. And then Saul goes out and he's like, look, we got Stephen, we got the green light to kill him if we have to kill him, imprison him if we wanna imprison them. And because of that, the church is persecuted and they begin to launch out into other cities and other regions. thing I really wanted to uh, have you guys think about as we start this series um, is that we are called to be missional, but missions start at home. Yes. Right. We're called to be missional, but missions start at home. They start in Jerusalem. Jesus said, stay here. Wait for the Holy Spirit. They start in your local church. We've been to a lot of churches, met with a lot of pastors, done a lot of ministry in other places. But none of that happens if we don't have a local church. Amen. There's no place that we love more than this church. That's right. They start in your own homes. All right. All the people that raised their hand and said that they had been on some type of mission trip, I looked around as you guys did that. You guys are all part of a local church. You guys are all part of a life group. You guys are all part of of something that God is doing in your own life and in your own home that comes before what he may or may not be doing all over the world. In a war, you need soldiers, but you also need bullets and bandages. One of my favorite movies uh, is Sherlock Holmes. And in the second one, the whole theme of the movie is somebody's trying to start world war, not because he cares about what's going on in the world, world, but he sees this opportunity to capitalize on, if everybody's fighting, somebody's gotta supply the bullets and the missions, somebody's gotta supply the bandages, right? And I always think about that. Everybody's thinking about the, the soldiers who are fighting, but you don't fight without bullets and you don't fight without bandages. You need generals, but you also need nurses. Imagine if all you had was all these great fighting minds and all this strategy and all these soldiers that you're going to send out everywhere, but you didn't have anybody to help heal them, their wounds when they get hurt. It'd be better to have a halfway decent strategy and nurses to heal your people when they get hurt. In missions, it's very similar. You need goers, but you need senders. You need people who are willing to go all over the world and do what it is that God's called them to do and go into dangerous places. But if you don't have anybody who's willing to supply them and provide for them and prepare for them and receive them when they get to those places, it's not as good of a plan. You need international workers, but you need local workers as well, domestic workers. I think God has called every church and definitely this church to be missional, but I think he wants us to understand what it really means to be missional. Being missional is not getting on planes and going all over the world. It's a lung and a kidney and a heart of who we are as a church, not where we go and what we do as a church. That's right. Are you missional? Are you spirit-filled? Are we like the disciples who say, well, what are you going to do at the way? And when are we going to have a nicer coffee area? And when are we going to have, you know, AC that is a little bit more like, like, The whole room feels perfect not freezing in the front and hot in the back man i'm gonna take some of you guys to africa (laughs) but we can be like that right we can we can begin to ask ourselves look we only care about jerusalem we only care about our church and our people and our life group and then jesus is like listen i said stay in jerusalem but not because you were going to stay there forever because that's where it's going to start, and you're going to be missional. You're going to go into Judea and into Samaria and into the ends of the earth. So last thing I want to do this morning, I want to look at a story that shows us how missions really start in our own hearts and in our own minds. They start locally, but then they change the world. <clears throat> Before I do, I just want to, I feel, I feel encouraged to encourage you and to challenge you. Young or old in this church, uh, God has given you the same opportunity to be a part of what he's doing anywhere and everywhere. Amen. You know, I, I got saved in, in 2004. In 2007, I was on a mission trip in South America. I had never been out of the country at that time. And uh, I see myself going everywhere still. There's a lot of places I haven't been, been, a lot of things I haven't seen. But I wonder how many of us, like, just open your eyes, open your minds, open to the possibility that God might use you to go somewhere and do something. And even for a long time, you know, I've watched Vanessa take a couple of trips. We saw our first medium range missionary as we sent Sarah Ruelas to uh, to London for nine months. Like, if I was your age, this group over here, man before i'd go to a jc for to start my education i'd be trying to get on a jet (laughs) and start my spiritual education you don't have kids you don't have bills people will invest in you and send you somewhere go live in the jungles in nigeria and build water wells for jesus go be a teacher in a we're trying to build a school out of out of sand bricks but we need books and teachers in those, like, you could do anything. Not ain't just for young people. Anybody here could go do anything. Amen. When we get to heaven, Jesus ain't going to ask about our 401K. <laughs> he's not. He's going to say, how many people came to know the king because of you? Amen. That's all I care about. That's all he cares about. And he's blessed us to be able to do both. All right. Move on, Pastor. Again, remember, I'm not trying to get everybody to go everywhere. I'm trying to get us to understand that as a people of God, we are supposed to be missional. We are on mission. We are a community that is on mission together. We've been given orders from Jesus. There are things that we have to do and have to accomplish in a way that we have to think. It's called the mind of God. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read through it. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with, his, with all his household, who gave alms or uh, offerings generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? Lord. So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wandered within himself what this vision, which he had seen, meant, behold, the men who had come, or the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and they stood before the gate. They called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men and had, the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, And some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. He said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you, or I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore... We are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God. Even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Amen. What a story. One of my favorites. (laughs) They're all my favorites, I know. The missional community is always looking for the lost. Somebody say amen. amen. The missional community is always looking for the lost. This whole story is about God wanting to reach a group of people who are actually lost and him sending somebody who's already been found to reach them. Three groups or three things I wanna talk about. The first is Cornelius. How come we don't name people Cornelius anymore? Anybody know Cornelius? I just feel that whoever gets pregnant next, Cornelius. (laughs) What a name. Cornelius, he's a a soldier. He's a ruler or an authority. He has soldiers who are underneath him, right? A good man, it sounds like. He's praying. He's giving to the poor. He's a good man. But here's the problem. He wasn't saved. Everybody in this room knows good people who aren't saved. You all have good friends who aren't saved. Good family members, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters. They're good people, but they're not saved. You know the the to me the, the most challenging people are the good people because they think they don't need to be saved. They look at you and they're like, You need to be saved. Because <laughs> you're not a good person. I am a good person and I'm spiritual. I believe in a higher power. I believe that in this spiritual karma, good things happen to good people, and if you do bad, bad things are gonna happen to you. In many ways, Cornelius is, is that kind of man. It says this about him, he was a devout man, He had a devotional life, a spiritual life. He feared God with his whole household, so it wasn't just something he did in private. It meant, look, his wife, his kids, the other soldiers who served there, any servants who were in the house, look, we are all going to have a devotional life because I don't want your karma to mess things up for me and my family either. That's more than most Christians do. It says that he prayed to God always, and at the ninth hour he saw a vision. An angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius, he observed him, he was afraid. He said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. So I think it's great that if you're a Christian especially, you should be thinking, God hears my prayers. We had praying with understanding before service today. We should be flocking to it. Man, we get to pray corporately. We had praying in the spirit last Friday. We should be flocking to it. God, we get to seek you in this spiritual manner. This man is not even part of the community of believers, but God hears his prayers. How much more will he hear the prayers of his sons and his daughters? But here's the thing. I say that the missional community is always looking for the lost, always looking for the unsaved. Look at how God works. This man, God says, listen, I see what you're doing, that you're blessing people. You're giving offerings. You're giving alms. You see the poor and you are providing for them, Cornelius. And I hear your prayers. They've come up before God as a memorial. Think about that for a second. It says God sees what you're doing, even though you're not saved, you're not part of the community. He's watching and listening to your prayers, and they've come up for memorial. But what is God's answer to that? He says, I am going to send one of my sons, one of my daughters, to you to help you. He says to Peter, I need you to be missional. God is a good God and he's a great God. He could have done it on his own. Somebody say amen. Amen. He could have just said, you know what, Cornelius, I see you, brother. I hear you, uh, brother. I just got this, you know, sign from heaven that you are now saved and let me teach you everything, but that's not how God works. He says, no, I plant missional communities. I send them to those who are in need. If you have people in your life right now who are good people, but they're not saved, God wants to send you. He's not trying to just save them. He's not going to send somebody else. You are their Peter. You are the one that he's sending to them. Are you part of a missional community or are you someone who at best is going to invite people to church? He doesn't need more church inviters, he needs more men and women who are on mission we are expecting God to say, I have somebody that I need you to talk to. I have somebody that I've been working on and dealing with, and now is the time they're going to be looking for you. You need to be looking for them, and you need to be ready. (laughs) So many good people who aren't saved out there. God's sending them to you. Not me, not the way, you. Second person in this story is Peter. It says, Peter became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were making ready, he fell into a trance, saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him, let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, not so Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Peter is a good religious man who is saved. I know a lot of good religious men who are saved good religious women who are saved, good religious young people who are saved. We go to church, we try to do what God is asking us to do. It's wonderful, it's beautiful. But if you wanna be part of a missional community, God is gonna ask you to go places and do things and eat things that make you uncomfortable. If you wanna see sinners saved, it's just gonna have to change. Peter could have easily said, This is how God has called me to be, this is the kind of church I'm supposed to be a part of, this is how I'm supposed to live my life, and that's all there is to it. But that wasn't gonna be enough if he was gonna be missional. If God was gonna really be able to reach the Judeans, reach the Samaritans, and reach the end of the earth, people have to do things that are uncomfortable. You should see the things that people have tried to feed me in all those places that I listed to you. When I got to Kenya, we're driving through the streets and their laws are not like our laws. Not only, not only can you not breathe because every car, think about the worst car you've ever seen in America, every car is that car. Where gases are coming out of it that you never expected could come out of a car. And then on the side of the road, you see a half a cow hanging from a window and people are just shaving pieces off of it and giving it to people for them to go home and cook and eat. There's no refrigerators. They're just throwing salt on it to try to keep it fresh. And then you get to the side of the road and they slap a a piece off of it and they throw it onto the nastiest grill that you've ever seen and cook it up and try to feed it to you. Not so, Lord! (laughs) For I have never eaten anything that is not grass-fed and organic. Maybe the music is different. Maybe the dress is different. Maybe the smell in the building is different. And we say, not so, Lord. Not so, Lord. We have to be spirit led and be willing to do anything but sin. You want to be missional? You wanna be part of a missional community? Get it in your mind right now. Number one, be spirit led because I love this story. Peter was praying and God began to show him what was gonna be needed. It's one thing when somebody's telling you what you have to do and where you have to go and what you have to eat. It's another thing when God himself says, you gotta change. You need to be exposed to something. You need to try something. You need to to be a little bit uncomfortable. The Spirit of God is leading. It brought down a sheet before Peter, and he had to do it three times because Peter was still like, I don't care that I'm having a heavenly vision and you're showing me this. Three times it happened to Peter before he was willing to listen. Do anything but sin. Do anything but sin. Go into the bar in Ireland and drink Cokes while other people are getting loaded. I'm not sinning, but I'm willing to do anything to see if somebody might get saved. Listen to what Peter told them in verse 28. He said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Look at what's happening to Peter's heart and Peter's mind. God used to tell them, these people are unclean. They're unholy. Don't go with them. Don't go to their houses. Don't be around them. Don't intermarry. And all of a sudden, in one dream, God is telling them, things are going to be different from here on out. They're not unclean. They're just unsaved. They need me just as much as you need me. They're just as valuable as you are. And Peter has a decision to make. Is he going to go with God and change, or is he going to stay religious and stay the same and not be missional? Be happy that the local thing is going well. Yeah, you know what, Lord, Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I was preaching last week and like 3,000 people got saved. (laughs) Like, Peter has a right to say that, doesn't he? We're reading Acts chapter 10. Write in your notes to read Acts chapter 9. You know what happened to Peter just before this Cornelius situation? <clears throat> there was a man who was paralyzed, I think for like eight years or something like that, and Peter walks up on him. <clears throat> and he says, take up your bed and walk. And the dude was healed. Because of Peter, not Jesus, Peter. Right after that, in the neighboring city, this lady dies. It's a female disciple named Tabitha, translated Dorcas. And the Bible says that she dies and everybody is, is like losing their mind, but they hear Peter's close because it's still local, right? It's still just the Jerusalem group. And they say, hey, call Peter, call Peter. <laughs> Peter comes over, kicks everybody out of the house, prays for a minute, and he says, he says uh, Tabitha, get up, girl. Amen. And she gets up. Amen. And he shows her to everybody. The local ministry is balling. The, 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 the way is just getting blessed. Amen. Jerusalem is the place to be. And he hasn't had to change anything. And then all of a sudden, God's like, oh, no, we're about to go to the ends of the earth. We're about to eat all kinds of things you never ate before. You're about to be uncomfortable. But we're going to be missional. Amen. We're going to change the world. You thought we were just going to change Jerusalem. We're going to change the world. It starts at home, That's right. but then it goes abroad. Do anything but sin. The last one I want to share with you is the word. Like, how does it actually work? Is it just getting on a plane and going somewhere? Is it just going to the next city? Is it just saying, all right, I'm willing to try different things? No, it's the power of the word of God that changes people's lives. That's right. yeah. Listen to what Cornelius says in verse 30. He says to Peter, Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. At the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer's been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you, you've done well to come. I'm glad you're here. Now, therefore, we're all present before God to hear the things commanded you by God. Remember the Great Commission? Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them the things that I have commanded you. Cornelius is looking for God. His family needs God. He's looking for a direction. Paul, or excuse me, Peter has sent him, and he says, what are we here to do? You are here to speak the things that Jesus has commanded you. How many of you are prepared to speak the commands of Jesus into the lives of your friends and family who are good people, but they're not saved? Mm -hmm. Well, then what are you prepared to do? Show them that you live different? Invite them to your church? Awesome, but they need to hear the word of God from you. They need to hear the commands of Jesus from you. Listen how Peter responds. Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, uh, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which which, uh, John preached. Listen, the first thing that, that Peter says to Cornelius is, what I'm about to tell you, you already know. You've already heard it before. The same friends and family members that I'm talking to you about, it won't be the first time they hear about Jesus when you begin to tell them. Think about that. They're not going to stop you and say, what, what was it, Jesus? <laughs> Jess, Jesse? Yes. They ain't going to say that to you. They already know who he is. They were already invited to an Easter service. They probably have a cross in their house somewhere. (laughs) Do not be discouraged. Peter starts off by telling Cornelius, you already know who I'm talking about. You already heard about the baptism of John. You heard the word go through your whole city already. So good. Verse 37, that word you know is proclaimed throughout all Judea, began in Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were opp- oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Listen to this part though, verse 39. Say 39. 39. Say, I'm with, you. I'm with you. Peter says in verse 39, We are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Look at this shift of what happens. They had already heard about Jesus. They already knew about the baptism of John. They were actually seeking him. But what changed everything and what brought the power of God is Peter began to make it personal. He says, listen, I am a witness. I'm not telling you a story about something I heard that somebody else heard that somebody else heard. I saw him. I know what he did. He rose from the dead. Maybe you haven't heard that part of the story yet. He rose from the dead and he appeared to me. I've seen the risen living Jesus. That's the story that your friends and family who are good people but are not saved need to hear from you. Not a story about a Jesus who is real and exists, but the Jesus that you know because you've met him. Because you've been with the risen Lord. The power of the word of God is magnified when it is proclaimed by true believers who are spirit filled and know Jesus. I can get somebody to come in off of the street and read this story to people, but it won't change their lives. What will change somebody's life is when somebody who's met Jesus begins to proclaim to others this Jesus that they know. That's what you see happening with Peter and with Cornelius. He's like, hey, I know you already heard the story, but I know you ain't heard it like this. (laughs) There once was a man who healed people. One day, I was walking with Jesus, (laughs) and we stopped by the side of the road. He told us to go get some food, and I was like, man, Lord, I don't want to go get food, but I'll go anyway. We came back, and he was talking to this lady by a well. He told her her whole life. Then she ran and told her family, the family invited all of us, we stayed there, the whole family got saved that day. You see the difference? You are supposed to be part of a missional community and you are supposed to be on mission. You are supposed to be telling stories of who he is and what he's done in your life and what it is that he wants to do in their life. This is not supposed to be strange, foreign, or for special churches. This is for everybody of all ages. God is not waiting for you guys to get out of junior high and high school so that your friends can come to church and hear from somebody more special about who he is and what he's doing. He expects them to be getting saved in the school right now because of you. God is not waiting for your coworkers to get their next job and say, oh, remember that one Christian used to invite me to church all the time. He wants them to get saved at work now. Because of you being on mission at work. This is an international missions movement that's taking place here. But it was started locally. These are foreign soldiers and their families coming to faith. In a local context, but they're international. They're part of the Italian regiment of non-Jews who are coming to faith. They didn't have to go all over the world to be on mission. They were on mission at home. Amen. And think about this. One of the things I love about this story too, when Peter has this vision and God shows him this and then, and then the spirit says, hey, they're here. Just so you know, they're about to knock on the door. They're here. <clears throat> That's cool. They knock on the door and Peter's like, yeah, I heard you were coming. But you know what the story says? That when he went back to Cornelius, it says that he took brothers with him. They didn't get no vision They didn't have the Holy Spirit show up to them and say that, hey, this is for real, it's going to happen. Only Peter got that vision. But there were brothers who were willing to go with him where he needed to go and what they were able to see. Listen to what they say at the end here. While Peter was still speaking, these words, verse 44, let me get to where I can see the whole thing. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. So look, they're just kind of like a fly on the wall. Hey, pastor told me I should go to Nigeria with them. Pastor invited me to Ireland. What, I don't want to go to Ireland. <laughs> pastor told me we should go down to TJ and help a church put a roof on their building. I have no desire to go to TJ and put a church building roof together. Right? Listen to these brothers, maybe sisters. Those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Peter said, can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? imagine being the first group of like Jewish believers. Number one, you guys got filled with the Holy Spirit and God changed the church and changed everything. And now you get to see the first non-Jews come to faith and get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's hard to explain <clears throat> what it's like, but you know, getting that message and seeing people getting baptized over there it's the same thing when I'm here. Like I loved our, our latest baptisms and watching what God's been doing in this church. But to know that like, man, Lord, I had this opportunity to go to South Africa and I just took my family. We jumped on a plane. I tried to preach what you told me to preach. And now there are people who are getting baptized that might not have been, whose lives are going to be forever changed. And you let me be a part of that. Man, we're supposed to be on mission everywhere we go, church. God says to Peter and to the rest of the disciples, Jesus says, make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything that I commanded you. And then you just see it happening in all these different contexts with all these different people and all these different languages. And they weren't afraid. They got saved, they started speaking in tongues. We got to kidnap you on a Friday night and tell you that we're taking you to in and out <laughs> to get you to come to praying in the spirit and see what God might do. These people are just getting saved, and it's like, I'm doing it. I'm here for it. If if I wanted to stay unspiritual, I would have stayed unsaved. (laughs) If I thought it was going to be comfortable and normal and what I'm used to, then it shouldn't be God. It should be bigger and better and more and uncomfortable if it's God. Make disciples baptize. when Peter says, look, I don't have a manual to look at, All I know is Jesus said, baptize them. I believe these people are saved now. I believe they've gone from being good people to people who understand the remission of sins. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's get them baptized and let's plant a missional community of believers. What a wonderful opportunity we have to be a church that's on mission together. What a wonderful opportunity you have to be a family that's on mission together. A family that's on mission together. I don't want us to stop inviting people to church. I want us to actually be the church. Okay. I don't want us to stop expecting that when people come into this building, that they're gonna hear the word of God and they're gonna feel the presence of God and they're gonna engage or be, uh, be brought into the worship of God. Matter of fact, worship team, come on up. I believe all that. I'm down for all that. I think that's what God wants. <clears throat> But I want us to begin to believe that that is secondary to what the scriptures are actually teaching us about being missional. Peter was not special in the sense that uh, the call on his life was was unique. He was just one of the first of many where the, the call is the same call for him as it was for us. Be led by my spirit and be prepared for people to seek you out, that you would be able to share my word in a powerful way. That you would be able to share your experiences with me as you testify to them who I am and what I've done in your life. I look out across this this church and one of the the special things when we go uh, abroad together is people put America on a pedestal. People are running to you for prayer. They just want you to put your hand on them. They can't believe that you live in Southern California and near Hollywood and that you have running water, streetlights. Why would you leave that to come into this crazy place that we live? Part of that is just sad. But the other part of it is God knows what he's doing. We need to use that for the glory of God. I've gone places with with people from our church and from other churches here, and I've watched God use them in ways overseas that they never thought they'd be used. And that they're a lot of times afraid to even be used in our own church. And it just sometimes it it hurts my heart because I, I say to myself, like, this is who you were created to be at home. This is who you were created to be in your own family, with extended family. This is who you were created to be at work, but we've gotta become missional. God's given you that same power, that same ability to heal disease, to see marriages restored, I hear testimonies like we heard earlier today about, man, how we want to get married and how God's restored our relationship and what, what we're going to be in the future, not just so you can be happy, so that you can turn around and do that for others. Be missional. Stand with me. <clears throat> So maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of like Cornelius where (coughs) just trying to do the right thing, be in the right place at the right time and uh, God's up to something. But there's a difference between being a good person and and pursuing God and even hearing from God in certain circumstances. It says that Cornelius had an angel from God stop by his house and say, hey, we hear you up there. (laughs) God heard your prayers, he sees what you're doing. But hey, Cornelius, he's gonna send somebody to talk to you because we gotta get some things straight. You are not saved just because you're spiritual. You are not saved because you've heard a little bit about this Jesus. But we're gonna to try to rectify that. Peter shows up and begins to testify to who Jesus is, testify that he's been raised from the dead, testify that he lives again, testify that Peter knows him. And then Peter begins to tell them that this whole thing is about the remission of sins. You can actually be forgiven Your sins can be wiped away. The debt that is owed can be paid because of this Jesus that you know a little bit about. And they were so open to it. Their hearts were so open to it that they received God. They received the Holy Spirit and they actually were saved. If you're here in this place and you've heard the story before like Cornelius has. But today, maybe in a new way, you want to open your heart. You want to receive Jesus. You want to have the Holy Spirit alive in your life, you recognize that you're still carrying the burden of sins and you want that to be done, can we pray with you? Can you just open up and say, I want that, I need that. I want that Cornelius-type experience for me and for my family, for my future. I want to cross a bridge, I want to cross a line that I've never crossed before. Would you raise your hand so I can see you at least, amen? Anybody in this place? Wanna take that next step with the Lord, amen? From knowing about to being filled with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah, Lord, amen. The next question then is, as we have been doing lately, if you're not baptized then, but you are saved, you need to be baptized. Not because I want you to be, but because Jesus says you need to be. If you're here, you're not saved, but you know you need to be baptized and you are willing to be obedient to God, would you raise your hand so that we can begin to pray for you and help you get to that water? <clears throat> not baptized yet? Hey, Amen, I see you, sis. We're gonna help you. Anybody else? It's what he wants, <clears throat> it's not just a ceremony, it is an entering into something. That you haven't yet entered into anybody else want to join our sister today and say I'm not baptized But I know I need to be I want to be I want to move forward hallelujah, Amen. I see you young lady. We're gonna help you too Waters are stirring such a good thing anybody else before we move on a couple more baptisms added To what we believe God is gonna do for those of you that raise your hand. Just just prepare yourself Uh, launches don't happen without adversity expect this next few weeks, this next season to be challenging, but man, you're gonna take flight. <laughs> right. You're gonna take flight. The enemy, the enemy is gonna to try to ground you. He's gonna to try to clip those wings. He's gonna to try to put an engine out. But like I said earlier, every single flight lifted off. And every single flight that I was on landed safely because God is good. <clears throat> Anybody else, we're gonna shift, now's your time. If you wanna get on that flight, now's the time last second ticket it's called standby amen i see you young man we have another one praise the lord anybody else anybody else want to fly standby everybody else had to buy their ticket they had to respond early flying standby means you just hang out at the airport and they say hey we got three open seats you want to fly you can fly for half price (laughs) anybody else we're going to shift we got three are there any other takers not baptized but you know it's time let's be obedient to god amen Amen. Lord, I thank you for those three. I thank you for whatever it is that you've been doing, Lord, whatever it is that you've been speaking, however it is that you've been working on them, working on their hearts, working on their minds, working on their ears that they would be able to hear you. I pray, Lord, that just like Peter, you would begin to drop down spiritual sheets of direction for them, of change and transformation, things that may be uncomfortable, Lord, but things that will take them where you want them to go. I pray that they would be missional from the beginning, Lord, that they would begin to consider themselves as servants in your army, Lord, that you can direct. There are missions that need to be accomplished. They each have friends, family members, Lord, loved ones, strangers, co-workers, people who are going to continue to be around them that need to hear about you from them. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. Baptize them. Fill them with your spirit, wash things away out of their lives, Lord God. And then commission them, Lord, to go out and make disciples and to baptize others and to teach others, Lord God. The last call as we begin to open the altar and then I'm going to release you guys to have communion. This one is for everybody here in the building. I want to continue to pray for a baptism with the Holy Spirit that God would remove all fear of just being reformed transformed a new lung a new kidney a new heart a new mind a way of being something more than what you are now a way of going deeper with the Lord than you've ever been before this removal of the fear we should be praying in the Spirit we should be receiving the gifts of the Spirit we should recognize that we cannot be missional without the Spirit and I want to pray for those to keep taking steps in that direction that God would move in your life I think it's interesting that both Peter and Cornelius were fasting when that happened in their life. I want to pray for people to begin to fast, to begin to pray in new ways, to begin to prioritize prayer meetings that are taking place in this church, to pray with their life groups, to pray with their spouses, to pray with their kids, that God would just come like a rushing wind like he did in the book of Acts and just begin to change everything in your life, make you uncomfortable for the sake of the Spirit of God changing and transforming. I want you to become missional in your heart and missional in your mind and missional in your home. So the altars are open. For those of you that uh, raised your hand for baptism, I'd ask that you would make your way to the altar so we can pray for you. For anybody else, any reason, if God is speaking to you, come to the altar. Specifically, we wanna pray also as you come for an indwelling and a filling with the Holy Spirit, for change and transformation, to make you missional at home. Maybe some of you want to go abroad. Maybe some of you want to see something and go somewhere you've never been before. Just come and do some business with the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Have your way over these sons and daughters of yours, over the future endeavors, Lord. Not only uh, those who may be going somewhere, but those that are making their way to baptism, Lord. Just begin to prepare that experience and that time, Lord. We pray over the communion This morning, Lord, remind us that this is your body and this is your blood, Lord. We are reminded that it was broken for us, that your blood was shed for us, that you are alive and well. You are living bread. You are living water, Lord. Just meet with us here in this place, Lord. We come to worship you. We come to be in your presence, Lord. We need more of you and less of us. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. No way! You came to my rescue from the grave. I've been raised when I needed a savior to save me. Jesus, you made a way. I was blind.